um, got about a mile from my house, and I looked at my wife and said, did you lock the front door? Don't you hate that? And uh, she's like, um, no, you did, didn't you? And I'm like, well, I don't know if I did or not. And we've had uh, five bear break-ins up at the retreat this summer. And uh, so um, you just don't leave without your doors locked. And so we had to turn around and go back. We're supposed to be here at a quarter of to meet for prayer and all of that. And then I get out of the truck, and the wind liked to blew my head off. <laughs> if I'd have put any more hairspray on this morning, the wind would have blown my head off. But boy, I ought to look good, <laughs> you know. But uh, <sighs> it was interesting. We were down here, and... and uh, I hate it, you know, if I'm going to speak and I'm feeling just like, it's just not a good frame of mind to be in. And I was just sitting down here, and all of a sudden I just felt just like, just like a, a calming, a peace come over me. And I'm like, it's going to be okay. And uh, so uh, we're going to have some fun here this morning and look at the Word of God. I want to quickly just remind you again, our current ministry that we consider our number one part of our ministry is the truthwithjohn.com website and if you haven't looked at it check it out and and we encourage you to uh, sign up for our newsletter subscribe to our newsletter it's free you don't have to pay a dime for it every month you'll get new um, articles teaching articles and prophecy updates boy isn't that something what's going on over in the middle east with russia coming down you know into into syria and all that i don't know if you keep up on that kind of stuff but i'm going to tell you something i I read the news and i'm like oh my goodness we we could be getting real close to the return of jesus here that makes it exciting yeah and i I just want to encourage you i mean i want to reiterate what jamie said about um writing to pastor michael and encouraging him You guys have a treasure here. I mean, he is a precious brother. And um, and, uh, every bit of encouragement that you can give him, um, I'm telling you, he he can use it, and uh, he deserves it. So uh, I want to reiterate that. And then, um, uh, can we throw that slide up about the, the title of this series here? Do we have that one? What do you, what did you call that, Jamie, again? Oh, there, there, there it is. Triumph in trials and tribulations. Now, I, I, I believe in giving credit where credit is due. Uh, it's been so much fun working with Jamie, um, and it's, it goes way beyond what you just see here on Sunday. Um, uh, she emailed me quite a while ago, and she said, uh, so what do you want to call this series? I had sent all of my notes ahead so that they could prepare the slides and all that. She said, what do you want to call it? Now, here's, here's a little background on this. When, when I was pastoring, I, I am the worst at coming up with titles. And, and I would come up with titles, and my admin would look at it and go, that's terrible. And I'm, so, I'm like, well, fine, you do it then. And they'd come up with good titles. So when Jamie wrote me, she said, what do you want to title this series? And, I, and I'm like, you know what? I told her that whole thing about I'm terrible at this. You come up with something. And she came up with this triumph in trials and tribulations. Good job, Jamie. If I still pastor and I'd fire my admin and hire you. All right. <laughs> Enough of that. So um, um, how many weren't here last week? Raise your hand. You weren't here last week. Oh, a bunch of you. So let's just do a little quick uh, review here. 
um, we all go through trials and tests and tribulations. Um, uh, um, Jamie talked about that when she spoke the first week, how that uh, it's just the pressures of life. And, um, and, and it can get discouraging. Come on now. It can get discouraging. And so we need to learn how to walk in triumph, even in the midst of all of the, of the pressures of life and the, and the trials and the tests of life. And uh, last week, um, uh, it, it, this always makes me a little uncomfortable. I stand up here and teach for 45 minutes, and I come back the next week, and I can tell you in 30 seconds what I, what I taught. You know? <laughs> I <don't, laughs> I'm not sure what that says about me. But uh, anyway, uh, ha, um, basically what, what I taught last week was we just need to learn to be praisers in every situation. Um, David, the psalmist, wrote this, Psalm 34.1, I will bless the Lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth. And uh, we focus kind of on the, uh, uh, what I call the, uh, um, the it, it is what it is situations of life. Anybody ever had any of those? It is what it is. It's not going to change. It's not going to go away. Uh, they're unchangeable, irreversible situations of life. And, and sometimes we find ourselves in those. And uh, we have to learn it is what it is. You know what? I've got to live in victory anyway, so I'm just going to learn to be a praiser. I'm going to praise the Lord all the time. Um, but now I want to just, before I move on this morning, I want to go back to that. And I want to add a little balance to it that I think is necessary. Be careful what you put in that category. It is what it is. It's not going to change. You know, it's unchangeable, irreversible. Be careful what you put in that category. Why? Prayer changes things. I mean, the Bible tells us pray about everything. Now, my wife is better at that than I am. I, I mean, we'll have a little situation we're facing, and, and she'll go, well, John, you know, we just need to pray about that. I'm like, Linda, God doesn't even care about that. She said, God cares about everything. We need to pray about everything. So uh, that's a little thing that goes back and forth with her and I. And, uh, and so uh, um, <clears throat> we, hello, if she wants to pray about everything, how many of you know? We end up praying about everything, all right? So, uh, yeah, pray about everything. But, you know, um, there, there is a time for you to say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to accept that it is what it is. I, I'm going to bring God into this equation. And I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm going I'm to stand, and I'm going to fight, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to believe, and God's going to work some miracles around here because God still does work miracles. I don't think he works them often enough. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Is that okay if I'm just honest with you? I, I'd sure like it if he'd just do it a little more often. That would be wonderful. But he does still sit on the throne up there, and I don't, so we'll let him be God, and I'll just have to accept what he decides. But, but the bottom line is this. There are times when you just need to say, I'm not accepting this. How many of you have seen the movie The War Room? Isn't that an awesome movie? If you haven't seen it, go down the valley. I think it's still down there. I know last week it was. Um, it's a, it's a faith-based movie about the power of prayer. And it's, in my opinion, the best faith-based faith movie I have ever seen. You know, it just basically talks about a woman that stands 
in prayer for her marriage. Devil, you will not have my marriage. You will not destroy my marriage. And I come against you in the name of Jesus. And you know, if you just study a little bit, in Ephesians, Paul talks about standing. He says, having done all to stand, stand therefore. And then he starts talking about how you're supposed to be dressed when you stand. And, I mean, he's talking about the, the breastplate of righteousness. That's like armor, the, the girdle of truth, and, and the helmet of salvation, military-grade stuff, and, and the sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith. I'm like, he is describing somebody in that time period that was going out to war. So it's like you don't just stand there and do nothing. No, you go out there and you hunt the, hunt the enemy down. You take him down. And by the way, that is not your neighbor. Okay? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, power, spiritual wickedness, and high places. There's a, there's a, a verse that I want to, I'm like, I'm going to take my time, and if I run out of time, I'll quit. And uh, we won't have to get it all said. Usually, most messages I preach, you don't have to get it all said. But uh, ha, um, there's a verse. This is just too good for me not to share with you. It's 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. And uh, we're going to put that up on the screen. And um, I want you to notice I've highlighted the word strange. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. Um, now, you all know what we've done with that verse. We've said, you know what? Jesus said in this world or in this life, you will have tribulation. So don't be surprised when you have something that's difficult that comes against you and, and, and you don't like. Don't be surprised by that. That's what we've done with that verse. But I want to show you something that I discovered as I studied it. Um, the word strange is used two times there. And what I found that just absolutely fascinated me was those two words in the Greek are two completely different words. They're both translated strange in the King James Bible, but they are completely different Greek words. The second one is the one I'll talk about first. It's the Greek word xenos, and uh, it literally means strange, or it's translated other places as stranger, like um, somebody that you don't know, a stranger, okay? So that's the second one. The first one is the one that really is where we get some meat here of meaning. And that word is zenidzo, and it simply means this, to be a host. Now, that doesn't mean anything to you right now. You're a little confused by it, in fact. But uh, let me help you with this. You will remember, I'm sure you're aware of this, that the early day church in the first century was made up largely of Jewish believers. These were people who had, had been observant uh, in Judaism, and they had the Torah and, and all those laws and all of that. And um, um, uh, on the day of Pentecost, when Peter preached that great sermon uh, at the steps of the, of the, uh, uh, of the Temple Mount, um, 3,000 people came to Christ and, and came to faith in Christ. And the thing we need to remember is these people were all coming there to do their thing that, that Jews did. Uh, and they were Jews. And so the early day church was made up of Jews. Now, Peter, you remember, Peter, everybody knows this, he was the first pope. 
<laughs> okay. He, he was basically the, the, the pastor in Jerusalem. So for sure, the Jerusalem church would have been made up of Jewish people, people who had been Torah observant. And you need to know this, that when those Jewish people accepted Jesus Christ, when they placed their faith in Jesus Christ, they did not abandon Judaism. And a lot of people don't understand that, but that's the way it was. They just were like, wow, he's the Messiah. Wow, our Messiah has come. And they, they understood the whole deal. But they were still observant Jews in Judaism. So when, when Peter writes to them and he says, listen, don't be a host to the stranger that has come to you in the form of fiery trial, what he's saying to them is something they completely understand. Because in Judaism, there was a Levitical law. And that Levitical law, you, you read about it in Leviticus 19.34, the stranger that dwells with you shall be unto you as one born among you. You shall love him as yourself. They were instructed, you need to be hospitable. This is a part of our religion. You need to be hospitable. Somebody comes that's a stranger, you, uh, you, you invite them in, you play host to them, you allow them to stay as long as they want. That's a part of how Judaism works. So when Peter is writing to the Jewish believers, their understanding completely when he uses those two words, they are totally understanding what he's saying. Listen, when the fiery trial comes, you do not have to be a host to it. You just tell it, get out of my house. You are not welcome here. Isn't that good? Man, that's worth the price of admission this morning. Yeah, I, I just, I got so important, uh, so uh, excited when I saw that. But now, enough of that. Get back to where we're at. Becoming a perpetual praiser. How in the world do you do that? Um, it's, how many know? It's easier said than done. Yeah, okay. Much easier said than done. Um, and, and you need to be a perpetual praiser, whether you're just accepting your it is what it is situation, I'm going to praise God anyway, or whether you're standing in faith and praying and, and battling for your marriage or whatever, you still have to learn how to be a perpetual praiser. Now, where are we going to go with this? David, again, he is the consummate praiser. David seems to know more about praising in every situation than anybody else in the entire Bible. So how did he do this? Well, as you study the book of Psalms, you begin to see the secret of it. And I'm not going to beat around the bush with it here. I'll just tell you exactly what it is, and then we'll, then we'll comment on it a little bit. David had learned to acknowledge God being present and active in his past, in his present, and in his future. Got that? That's how he could be a perpetual praiser all the time. He's never losing sight of the fact, God has been present in my past, God is present in my present, and God is present, going to be present in my future. Now, as I studied this, I, I found something that totally fascinated me. I love the study of the Word of God. It is just the best, most fun thing, and that's one of the reasons I, I love still teaching, because it forces me to just study, just get in there and dig and study. So as I studied David's writings, I found something really, really fascinating. 
the uh, times when he wrote about God being active in his future. He just believed God's going to be there, man. God's going to do amazing things in my future. Um, he only did that 26 times in the entire book of Psalms. By contrast, when David wrote about God being present in his present, he almost doubled the number of times when he wrote about God being present in his present versus his future, um, 51 times, 26 versus 51, nearly double. But when he wrote about God being present and active in his past, <laughs> 151 times. I mean, like three times as much as God being present in his present and six times as much as God being present in his future. Now, I, I, I looked at that. I'm like, hmm, I want to figure this out. Why is it like that? I would have thought it would have been just the opposite. And, and there are some people, you know, that are like, well, you know, life may be miserable now. I can't see God in my present anywhere, but I tell you, my faith is strong and God's going to be there in my future. And that would have been what I would have expected. But it wasn't like that. It was just the opposite. So I'm like, hmm, I wonder why it was like that. Um, I'll tell you why I think, okay? This is just my thoughts. Don't even know if it's right or not. So if you don't agree, that's allowed. You could be right. I could be wrong. But here's what I think. I think he didn't get too excited about what God was going to do in the future simply because he wasn't sure what God was going to do in the future. <laughs> All right? I mean, it's like, well, I know God's going to be there, but I'm not exactly sure how he's going to handle this. You ever been there with that one? I mean, think about this. When David had to fight Goliath, I, this always intrigues me. David... <coughs> David goes out there, and he encounters this, this giant, and, and with one stone, he takes that giant out. But did you ever notice that when he went down to the brook to get the stone, he picked up five? <laughs> I, I heard one guy one day go, well, I'll just tell you why he did that. Because he had heard that Goliath had four big brothers. I don't know. I, I don't relate to that, okay? I just don't relate to that at all. I don't go around looking for a fight, okay? But, uh, um, you know, I, the Bible says, God says this about himself. He says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. And I've seen God answer so many prayers, but you know what? Usually, he doesn't answer them the way I expected him to answer them. You guys relating to what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like, I don't know. I, I, I know it's going to turn out all right, but I'm not going to get too excited about, well, God's going to do this and God's going to do that, and in my future this is going to happen and that's going to happen because it probably is my idea and not his idea, and he's going to do his idea. And usually when he do, does his idea, I go, thank you, Lord, for not doing my idea. All right? So anyway, that, that's just my thoughts on that. But then here, 
here's the next thing, okay? We, perpetual prayers, praisers learn that God is going to be there in the future, and he's going to be faithful, he's going to be good, all right? But now, how about the present and the past? 151 times God was there in my past. Only 51, God's here in my present. Hmm. That's interesting. Did you ever hear people say, you can't live in your past? Don't live in your past. I heard one guy say, I think I heard a preacher say this. Might have been me. Can't remember. <laughs> I, it was me, Linda. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> if you want God in your present, you can't continue living in your past. Sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't get a bunch of amens when I said that. <laughs> but, ha! Um, Hmm. That didn't isn't how David handled it. And I believe as I've thought about that, that there's a good reason why David was remembering his past more than he remembered his present. When you're going through stuff in your present, it really can cause you to lose sight of all of the blessings that are in your present. It dims your vision of what you have to be thankful for in your present. Now, I want to try to illustrate this for you. Jamie, can you come up here with me? Just come over here, huh? What a treasure this girl is. My goodness. No, no, you're not a girl. You're a woman. You let the cat out of the bag, girl, 35 years old. <laughs> I was shocked. I'm like, no, no, that's not possible. You sure you didn't lie in front of everybody? I'm sure. Okay. So why do I like Jamie so much? Linda and I just think that she is one of the neatest people that, that we have come across in a long, long time. I love it when she gets up here to make announcements and things like that. If I come in here and I'm not feeling quite so up, she just lifts my spirit. She bubbles with joy. You're awesome. You're embarrassed now, aren't you? <laughs> oh, boy. So, Jamie, I got a question to ask you. <clears throat> when you think about coming to church here on Sunday, does that make you happy or sad? Happy. Happy. Yes, very happy. Yeah. And um, why, why does it make you happy? Because I love to look at all these people. Oh, really? I like to talk with them, meet them, hear where they're at. They bless you. They bless you. They're a part of your life. You got it. <laughs> why am I not surprised? There's something around here that makes her happy. All right? She blesses you. You bless her. That's how life is supposed to work, you know. So, you were happy when you came to church this morning? Yes. In spite of the wind? Correct. Well, you did better than me. I fixed my hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys won't believe this. I, I had a can of hairspray in the truck. 
I let Linda off right by the front door, and then I have to go park the truck. I'm sitting in the truck. <laughs> Didn't work. <laughs> so, but Jamie, she, the wind or no wind, she's happy. She's going to be here. She's going to enjoy praising the Lord. And are you having a good day? Oh, yeah. You haven't been disappointed? No. <clears throat> Stay right there. <laughs> you know what this represents? A five-gallon bucket of trouble. Trouble, 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 problems, trials, tests, tribulations. And sometimes when you encounter that kind of a thing, it feels as if the devil just snuck up behind you and put a bucket on your head. <laughs> uh, now, just so you know, I was very careful to get one that is sanitary and clean. <laughs> no, no, you can't take it off. Uh, uh, uh. I knew she was going to try to do that, so I'm just holding it down here. Now, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, Jamie, you look ridiculous, <laughs> okay? <laughs> um, and uh, and, and um, I want to ask you a question, Jamie. I think we can hear you, but um, um, uh, are you enjoying church a little less right now? See what I'm saying? Now, now here's the deal. Jamie, all those people that you said are such a blessing to you, I've got to tell you, they haven't gone away. They're out there right now. And I've got to tell you something else I'm observing on their faces. They're not so happy with this illustration because they love you, and they think I'm being abusive to you right now, okay? But I've got to tell you, the part of this illustration I don't like, I'm playing the part of the devil, all right? I don't like that because I'm a nice guy. But for sake of the illustration, I'll play the part of the devil. All right? So, okay, <laughs> you're like, I don't like what he's doing to Jamie. Jamie should not have to endure this. Jamie should not have to go through this. And Jamie's in the bucket going, you know what? My day has just turned for the negative. I can't see anything. All I can see is this stupid bucket that he put on my head. And um, it's really, really hard to see my present blessings that are all right out there in front of me. See how that works? It just takes away your ability to see those things. So what you going to do, Jamie? Well, I've got to get this bucket off my head. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> well, Jamie, can I read some scripture to you? Sure. All right. <clears throat> Bless the Lord, Jamie, and all that is within you. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, Jamie, and forget not, forget not all his benefits. Huh, what do you think of that, girl? Amen. Oh, so, so I'll read you another one, Jamie. I'm, 
I'm going slow here. Because <laughs> don't you feel like that sometimes? When the, when the devil just puts a bucket on your head, you're like, will I ever get the bucket off my head? I want the bucket off my head. I'm getting major annoyed. That won't work. I'm telling you, that's flesh and blood right there. Fighting against principalities and powers won't work, Jamie. Quit trying. <laughs> but here's another verse. This is wonderful, Jamie. Listen to this one. Deuteronomy 4.9. Be on guard. And watch yourselves closely so that you never forget the things that your eyes saw and that they never leave your mind as long as you live. Jamie, that's what you need to do right now. So I want you to just begin to remember all the good things God has done for you. Just, just start thinking about it right now and, and keep thinking about it because, honey, you are not getting the bucket off your head till you start praising. We're waiting. That's past. That's present tense, Jamie. Go in the back. Thank you for what you have done. I thank you that you have brought me out to this place. I thank you for your blessings, for how you've given me a family and friends and a wonderful church. I thank you for the way you have provided my entire 35 years. (laughs) All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've noticed or not, Jamie, but while you've been praising, that ugly old devil that's been holding that bucket on your head, he let go of it. And now it can come off. And look at that smile. Give her a good hand. Now, now, just so you all know, Jamie and I talked about this ahead of time. I didn't blindside her on this. I'm like, uh, are you claustrophobic? <laughs> and uh, would you be willing to do this? I explained it all to her. And uh, she was more than willing to help me out with this. Sometimes a picture is worth a thousand words. And every in the future... When you just can't see the blessings, you, you, you focus on your problems. Would you just remember somebody standing up here with a bucket on their head <laughs> and how they got the bucket off of their head? Because, you see, here, here's, here's the way it is, folks. You may be going through some really difficult things in your present. I don't know. Um, um, uh, uh, let's just do this. Shall we just do this? How many people in this room right now, had, have something in your life today, some situation that you just wish it weren't like that, okay? All right? We're all in that same boat. And, and, and um, uh, uh, it, you just can't start spending your life just focusing on that problem. It, it, there, let me put it to you this way. That problem and this is not across the board going to be accurate, but for some it will be, that problem very well could make up only, I don't know, 10% of your total life. And if you just get your eyes on that, that's all you're going to see, and life's going to look pretty dim. But if you get your eyes on 
God's faithfulness. God is, listen, God is still faithful no matter what you're going through. And sometimes people, uh, this always amazes me in America. I, <laughs> I hear people talking about, oh, it's so tough. Oh, oh my, my car broke down this week and it's so bad. Yeah, well, uh, try going to another country where they don't even have a car. They're out there walking through the dust and the dirt in the desert. Hello? Oh, I went to the restaurant, and my food was terrible. It was just an awful experience. <laughs> Come on. People, we are still, in spite of all the stuff that's happening in our world. We are the most blessed people on the planet. And you, you can't appreciate that until you've traveled to third world countries. My wife and I were down in Argentina back in May, ministering at a Bible school down there. And uh, these young people, most of them late teens, early 20s, were the happiest bunch I was stunned by how happy they were. And the Bible college was located kind of out in the country. And uh, one day we were driving back from being in town with the missionary, and I saw a bunch of young people walking on the road. And I, 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 I said, uh, who are those people? He goes, those are our students. I said, what? The town is like three miles away. Oh, yeah, he says they walk in at least several times a week, and they were so happy. And we drove by, and they were like, ah, you know. I'm like, whoa, boy, try to find people in America that could have that kind of attitude. You know, somebody says, um, I... Uh, I, uh, how's that work go? I, I, um, I complained because um, I had no shoes. There it was, thank you. I complained because I had no shoes until I met a man who had no feet. See, it's all a question of perspective, how you look at it. And um, your present may not be so good, but I want you to know something. The God of your past has not changed. And he won't change. He'll be faithful in your future. You don't know exactly, none of us know exactly how God is going to resolve certain issues. But you can be sure of this. God is still God and God will take care of it. You just need to focus on him. And one of the best ways to do that is never, ever forget what God has done for you in the past. <laughs> and you won't hear any better way to live in victory than that right there. I've had to learn to trust God over the years. Pastors have to learn to trust God. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> boy, the stories I could tell. And when I was younger, first in the ministry, first pastoring, 
I'd just, I'd react to everything that came along. I'd just like, oh, I got to do something about this. And <laughs> then you begin to realize that every time you get involved, usually, guess what happens? You just end up messing it up. Thank you for that overwhelming amen on that one. <laughs> well, maybe you don't. I do. I did. I just messed it all up. And then as I'd been in ministry longer, I learned, just trust God. He'll take care of it. I'll never forget. I will never forget. Let me tell you one story and then I'm done. <clears throat> I got a phone call one night. And uh, one afternoon late. And there was this woman. She was almost hysterical. She said, have you heard about the meeting? I'm like, what meeting? She said, there's a woman in the church who says you're the Antichrist. <laughs> True story. True story. She says you're the Antichrist. I go, oh, really? <laughs> My wife calls me that once in a while. No. <laughs> no, you've never done that. And she's having a meeting at her house tonight. And she's inviting everybody she can, that she knows to come and, and tell them why she believes you're the Antichrist. I'm like, wow, I'd like to go to that meeting here. It'd be interesting. But she said, what are you going to do? Well, it was right, right when a new Disney movie had just been released. I don't remember which one it was. This was a long time ago. And I had promised my children, they were just young kids then, like 10. I had promised my children that that night we were going to the new Disney movie. They were so excited. So she says to me, what are you going to do? I said, well, I'm taking my kids to the Disney movie tonight. I thought she would absolutely faint. What? You can't do that. You've got to go do something. You've got to go defend yourself. I'm like, nah, you know what? <clears throat> if she's right, my fate has been sealed. There's nothing I can do. <laughs> if she's wrong, I don't have to do a thing. God will take care of it. What a way to live. My God is faithful. I can trust him. I can praise him. Everything's going to be okay. So I went to the movie. <sighs> she had her meeting. It was kind of like, remember I told you about the pity party? You send out the invitation, nobody comes, not even God. <clears throat> I said to that lady, I said, well, why don't you go to the meeting? I did go to the meeting. I called her later. I said, how'd the meeting go? She goes, there wasn't hardly anybody there. And everybody sat there and looked at her like she was crazy. <laughs> About, she, she left the church. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't want to go to the church where you think the pastor's an antichrist. She left the church, and about six months later, I got a phone call, and it was her husband. And he said, uh, Pastor, um, 
we need prayer really bad. I said, what's going on? And I could hear a weird sound in the background. It sounded like a dog howling. I'm like, you need to get your dog and put your dog outside or something. I can't hardly hear you. He goes, it's not my dog. It's my wife. You know, I didn't have to do a thing, not say one word, because God is still God. And I did pray for them, but she ended up in a mental institution because she became very dangerous to herself. That's an extreme case, but it just shows, folks, we serve a great and a wonderful God. He is faithful. Past, present, future. He's going to be faithful. He will not change. Put your faith in him. Rest, relax, and enjoy the journey. Jesus, we love you. I just thank you so much, Father God, for your faithfulness, for your goodness. Lord, uh, help us to become the same kind of perpetual praisers that David was. No matter what situation he was in, he'd find a way and a reason to praise God. And um, Lord, I just pray that if there's any here this morning who have never um, put their faith and their trust in you as their Savior, that uh, today there'd just be something go off on the inside of them, uh, the voice of the Holy Spirit would just speak to them. And, um, Lord, you told us that our, our saving faith is a gift from God. It's not our own. We can't boast in it. It's something you give to us. And so I pray you would give them that kind of faith to be born again this morning. And um, that their whole life would be changed and altered today because they put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. And we just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank